million people. <laughs> hey, you're the fucking back number five, and this is the episode where it gets canceled because Cody's not here. Um, I am not Cody Newberry. I am the king, Caleb Coho. He left the back door unlocked. I took the opportunity to come end his career. Uh, no, but for real, he is indisposed and sick, so I am sitting in the chair today to roast people's lists, which I think is the name of the show. We're talking unnecessary sequels, reboots, and remakes, and this is a topic that uh, calls for horrendous movies and some people who might have some really hot takes. So I have a really good panel with me today. I have the king of the hot takes, Ryan Permazen, back again. Uh, Ryan, how do you feel? Are you excited to be talking about these movies? Absolutely. This is a great topic. This is definitely something that should be discussed numerous times across the interwebs, and no one's going to come at us in the hater comments below. So this is going to be a great show. No problems whatsoever, and thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, jumping on with us tonight is also Mr. VHS Nazario Montenegro. Nazario, uh, how do you feel about talking about sequels, remakes, and reboots? This was a more expensive subject than I initially uh, believed it was. Once I started <laughs> looking for what everything that qualified for this, fucking yikes. This is a fucking yikes. I do not disagree with you, sir. Some of these uh, lists <laughs> that I had here before me are what we would call fucking yikes. And here on the show tonight, Andrew Barr is here. Uh, how do you feel about being on this show, Andrew? Uh, I'm very excited to be on. I've been watching since the first episode. Um, uh, and I'm glad to be on the final episode, apparently. <laughs> yep, Cody, uh, I hate to pull it back. We're going to pull back the side. We are actually uh, we are actually here to cancel your list. Uh, this, will be on the, this will be on the Cancel Tuesday podcast next week. Uh, we already coordinated with Viviani. Um, but uh, we are going to get right into it with uh, with Ryan's bottom three on Unnecessary Racing. how it's going to work. We're going to go one by one by one through your bottom three, uh, your 10 through eight. And then we come back around, we do seven through four, we come back around, and then we do the three, the three, the three, the two, the two, the two, the one, the one, the one. And then I will unveil your composite list um, if you have something that you are going to talk about uh, later. Like if it's going to be on your list, just say I have it, uh, and we'll just uh, save it for later in the discussion. But Ryan, what is your number 10? All right. Let's have some fun with this one, boys. All right, coming in at uh, number 10 on this list is going to be uh, a Good Day to Die Hard, a.k.a. Die Hard 5, a.k.a. Why Did This Movie Happen uh, after seeing it in theaters for two and a half hours. So that's my number 10. Um, Does yeah. anyone else have that? No. Nope. All right. Go ahead, Ryan. Hmm. All right. So, yeah, that's uh, number 10. I saw it in the theaters. I was like, yeah, maybe one or two lines. But other than that, it's – I don't know what I'm – yeah, this film is really good. Anywho, coming in at number nine, we have the Paul W.S. Anderson attempted remake at a great class. I mean, I know this film has been remade several, several times, but the better version is from 1993 from Walt Disney Pictures, Three Musketeers. His version, 2011's The Three Musketeers, is by number nine. It is just way too stupid, stylish, over the top. I don't know what Paul W.S. Anderson was trying to prove with this movie, but he didn't really prove it well. Should have stuck to the Resident Evil films, which are guilty pleasures of mine. Coming in at number eight... I have Terminator Salvation from 2009. That is the film that came after the events of Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. They, t they fast forward all the way in the future when the war is going on, even though it's already been told in flash forwards in the other three installments, or excuse me, the two of the three other installments of this <laughs> franchise. Yes, I consider it a trilogy. Come at me, people. 
So yeah, Terminator Salvation, McGee, I don't know what he was doing that day. There was just too much yelling, too many explosions, not enough not enough real good story, not too much good acting there. And uh, we all know Christian Bale had a bad day on set, and it made the internet. It was trending number one that year. Congratulations, Christian Bale. It was a good rant, too. I'll give you credit where credit's due, buddy. But yeah, those are my bottom three. A Good Day to Die Hard, The Three Musketeers, and Terminator Salvation. These films are just pretty bad. Um, I will do the Cody uh, on this one and agree. These are three really rough movies. Good job, Brian. Uh, I don't hate your list so far. All right, we'll go over to Nazario for your bottom three. Okay, like I mentioned, this is a very complicated uh, list because even though sequels are bad, they don't necessarily are unnecessary because unnecessary to me is like they really don't have a, a kind of like a real reason to exist <coughs> other than money. So I started this list uh, with a very, very unnecessary sequel to the perfect Indiana Jones trilogy, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Uh, it came way too late. I, there was, I guess it was no interest to make it before or, in, or because Harrison Ford has always been pushing for more Indiana Jones. And when it finally got made, yes, he was the title character, but they were trying to do this thing, which you will be, it's a common thing with my list. Uh, it's just like passing the torch to their kids and this very rarely works. And this is the first example where it doesn't work at all. Uh, my next movie uh, uh, is another long-developed sequel, uh, Indian, uh, Independence Day Resurgence, which takes place 20 years after the original Independence Day, which arguably is not that great. I know it has soft spots for some, a lot of people with their nostalgia and stuff, but, I mean, they couldn't even get those make back, so they start with the... Well, he's his stepson, because he doesn't have a son in the first movie. He has a stepson. Well, the stepson takes the mantle and keeps going. The story makes no sense. The visuals are ridiculous. And it's just, it's just yikes. And my number eight, it's a remake of a movie that I very, very much enjoyed, which is Point Break. Which I oh, think we'll talk about that later. Okay. okay. All right. So uh, looking at what you have uh, so far... Um, you definitely have hit the unnecessary on the head, um, so I, I like the two picks you have. I think King of Crystal Skull is the third place Indiana Jones film over Temple of Doom, so that's an opinion that I have. Uh, I think King of Crystal Skull is better than Temple of Doom. Cody! Uh, I, 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 I actually agree law. with Caleb on that one. I am the law! Uh, okay. uh, so we'll go over to Andrew uh, for your bottom three. All right, so uh, I kind of did the same thing when it comes to the word unnecessary. Um, there's multiple ways you can take that word. Um, so starting off with my number 10, I deemed this unnecessary because it the movie that it's remaking is already so iconic, uh, as well as the character. Plus, there's no reason to remake this. Uh, it's uh, the 2010 version of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I, I have that on my list. Okay, there you go. Cool. Uh, my number nine movie is one that I don't think a lot of people remember, mainly because it's not worth remembering. Um, and that is the sequel to uh, the 1970s classic uh, Saturday Night Fever called Staying Alive. Uh, this is a movie... Now, it's been a while since I've seen the original Saturday Night Fever, but from what I remember, it is a dark movie there was a lot of serious subject matter that you don't expect when you just see all the clips of him of john travolta dancing and walking down to the bgs but it is a dark movie with a lot of serious tones um 
And I don't want to watch a sequel to a movie like that. And the movie doesn't lead up to a sequel. It doesn't really have anything to base a sequel on other than the fact that, well, he's going to New York, but okay. And Staying Alive is not a good movie. Um, the music is nowhere near as good. The acting is nowhere near as good. The story is nowhere near as good. It's just unnecessary in all of those ways. Uh, and my number eight movie is uh, a remake of uh, another horror film that I think, while not great, is still really good. And the things that they do in the remake are completely unnecessary for it. And that is 1999's remake of The Haunting. Uh, if the original one, directed by Robert Weiss in 1963, is your typical haunted house movie. But the thing is, you never ever see the ghosts. And that in itself is terrifying. You see things happening to the house, but you don't see the ghosts. And in the remake, there it is a CGI bull fest. There, they create character uh, villains uh, that in the original movie is not really the villain. Um, and it, it, never appears. Never appears in the original version. And having that in general in the remake is just so aggravating because all it is is an excuse for John Abont to try to scare you with CGI that is awful looking. It's complete. This was completely unnecessary. All right. Uh, so with those three, uh, yeah, staying alive is a great pick. That is one that does not need to exist in any way. Um, nope. And I'm excited to hear what the rest of these lists entail so far. No, None of you have picked a good movie yet, so all right then. Uh, Ryan, you're seven through four. All righty. Coming in at number seven, uh, is gonna, I'm going to ring a familiar bell here. I actually enjoyed this movie up to a point, and then the last five minutes I was like, what the heck were they trying to pull? This is just really weird. doesn't make much sense, if at all. And that will be Terminator Genesis. Genesis? Uh, Jenny Smith, I get, excuse I get me. that. I get that. Oh, oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. All right. We can talk more about that later. Um, coming in at number six, I have – and yes, I've seen both the original and the – remake of this so i'm allowed to compare the two uh the original is a sci-fi classic it is funny it's adventurous it's it's just fun there's some good one-liners in there from our good friend arnold uh and that would be total recall the remake from 2012 Ooh, i got that I too say. oh geez oh man <laughs> all right we can talk more about that later folks put it on ice <laughs> and, then, and then uh number where are we? five uh, yeah all right number five is now after seeing the original version of this film, I got to say, really cool soundtrack, some good life lessons. And if you're going to be on the other side of the coin in this equation during a certain scene in the movie, just sweep the leg. Just sweep the leg. And that's going to be the remake, The Karate Kid from 2010. Saw it in theaters. I was like, meh at best. But then when I finally saw the original, I was like, man, the original was a thousand times better than this remake. Why did this remake really need to happen at all? Pat Morita, Ralph Macchio, and company sweep the leg. I mean, it's just, it's so good. It's so quotable. But this remake, 
Yeah. I mean, Jackie Chan, he put in a good effort as the, you know, new Mr. Miyagi, but Jaden Smith, no. Just Why is it called the Karate Kid? They teach him Kung Fu. I know. It's weird, right? So, yeah, the Karate Kid is my number uh, five on that one. Did we go to number four? Yeah, we go to number four. Oh, we go to number four. Sorry, I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if I needed to put a stop to this or keep going. Anyway, uh, one of the, I think, okay, number four, this movie was mentioned a little bit earlier on in the course of this episode, and that would be The Nightmare on Elm Street from 2010. Uh, okay, look, saw it in theaters. I thought it looked good at the time because I, you got your, you got your girl Katie Cassidy from the early, 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 early good seasons of Arrow and Supernatural, and she's done many other different kinds of projects on C Dub. She's got a good paycheck coming her way. You had Kyle Goner who played Impulse slash The Flash on Smallville. Thought it was going to be okay. Thought it was going to work, but it just after walking out of the theater, I'm like, man, this movie was so tame. I got to see the original. And then I saw the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, this is one of the best horror thrillers I've ever seen, and Freddy Krueger is. Gosh darn, he's terrifying. I, I was af- almost afraid to go to sleep that night because I thought Freddie was going to come into my dreams and kill me. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, he didn't because I'm still here. So yeah, The Nightmare on Elm Street never should have happened because Wes Craven, rest in peace, good sir, because you gave us Nightmare on Elm Street, you gave us Scream 1 and 4, 2 and 3, not so much. But he gave us some good films, Nightmare on Elm Street 2010, get out of here. All right. Um, and Nazario, we'll go to you for and, and Andrew to get your quick thoughts on Nightmare on Elm Street because you all have that. So we'll go to Nazario first. I actually got that next. That's my number seven. Oh, and, yeah, the the cardinal sin that that movie commits it's that it's boring. You can say a lot of things about Nightmare on Elm Street, any of the movies, but neither no a one is boring. And the thing is, they, it's such a such a wasted effort because you have the talent there. You have Rooney Mara, and and you have Jackie Earl Haley, and you have. Uh, Katie Cassidy, it's it's good actors. You have you know you have one of the kids from Twilight that I can't remember his name right now, and I mean the story is there because they they basically make the first movie over again. You have the effects there uh, that actually are not as convincing as the physical effects from the 1980s movie, which is surprising. And the thing is that I think it makes two crucial mistakes other than being boring. One is that they try to make Freddy uh, relatable. Like, maybe he wasn't the bad guy. Maybe he was all a misunderstanding. Yeah, I mean, come on, man. It's, it's fucking Freddy Krueger. And the thing is that uh, he, as, as much as a good actor as Jackie Earl Haley is, he's not really good in this movie. And I think it ha- it's kind of a problem because uh, we, a lot of these monsters, you can be a little interchangeable, like Michael Myers or Jason, because there's somebody in a mask. But... Robert England is Freddy Krueger. Nobody else is Freddy Krueger. So it's, it's impossible not to compare the two. And it was rated PG-13, man. It was so tame, they toned it down. Oh, yeah. Right. Too. And uh, Andrew, uh, what are your thoughts on Nightmare on Elm Street? The other thing that really makes A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, so good is that the effects actually give the movie a dreamlike effect, which um, is integral to the story itself. And with this version, everything's in the dark. Like, you can't even, you're not even able to see and admire some of the things that are happening uh, in the 2010 remake. Um, plus, the the effects in the 2010 remake, they're just whatever. Yeah, you, you guys are uh, you guys are completely correct in all having a nightmare on the street. That is a terrible, unnecessary remake reboot. Uh, so good job putting that one on, on your list. Uh, we go back over to Nazario for your, I guess, 64, since we know what your seven is. My number six, 
<coughs> is another horror remake that has no reason for existence. And it's the remake of The Thing. The Thing from the 80s is a great John Carpenter film. And this remake doesn't even know what it wants to be. It wants to be a prequel, but it also wants to be a reboot. And it wants to uh, kind of introduce us to the creature again, but at the same time, it wants to connect us with the first movie, so it keeps telling us little things like to remind us. And it's a mistake because when your movie is that weak, you don't want to remind people of the better movie that even that it was filmed 20 years earlier and it takes place after yours, looks better on the effects. The cardinal sin of this movie is that the, the CGI is shit. They, they think they can make the creature more scary by making it more like big and, and thing, but it's just, it doesn't work at all. It's a really, really bad remake. Uh, my number five is the 2016's remake of the Ghostbusters. And no, it's not because they're women. It's not because the movie is not funny at points because I think the movie is okay. It's very middle of the road type comedy. It's just that Ghostbuster and even to an extent Ghostbuster 2 are such classic nostalgic movies from the 80s that if, if you want to do something, if you want to do something new, you have to go really, really new. And this movie didn't even go that deep enough. And they tried to like make it like an alternate universe and the, even the cameos of the original Ghostbusters bringing them back are not even the same characters, but none of it really works. And, and I guess Bill Murray finally got his wish and died in the next Ghostbusters movie, like he always said he was going to do if he actually coming back. And I think that it, it, it's kind of a thing that keeps getting boring movies that don't don't live up to the to the previous installments. And my number four that was already mentioned already is Terminator Genesis. Uh, I know that Ryan has uh, salvation into this. Uh, I actually don't think that movie is as bad as most people think it is because at least it was trying something. I mean, when James Cameron left the series, uh, they did three, and that was basically just more of the same. So the, that didn't work. They said, well, let's try something completely different. Let's try no Arnold. Let's try a movie in the future. Let's bring Christian Bale and Bryce Dallas Howard and try to do something different with Sam Worthington's character. Didn't really work, but it was interesting enough. But Terminator Genesis, man, that is like when you give up on a series. They, they had no idea what to do. So what did they say? Well, people like the old movies. Let's go back to those. Recast some of the, the people with younger actors and tell the same story, but surprise, it's not the same story. It's something different in the past. And not only do they make a bad movie that makes no sense, they shat on all the good movies that people had good faith for and honestly killed my, my enthusiasm for any Terminator movies going forward. I don't even really want to get pumped up about Dark Fate because I, I have no faith that they would make anything decent. Uh, all right, we'll go back over to Ryan uh, now for his uh, his Genesis. My what now? You your, mean my thoughts, you mean my thoughts yeah. on, Gen yeah. on Genesis? For, yeah, for your talk on Genesis. Okay, Genesis. my thoughts on Genesis, Jenny Smith, I'm sorry. Um, <clears throat> yeah, look, the trailer sold me, a younger cast sold me, I saw the movie, I was good for two-thirds of it, and then the third act just completely unraveled for me. I'm like, what is going on with all this resetting of the rules? And then Sarah Connor's talking to like her younger self or her younger version of John Connor. I'm like, what? What, what, what? what are you doing? You're crossing too many streams, darn it. So, yeah. Um, that, you know, just, I, I, it may have looked, may, may have sounded good on paper, but when it was executed, especially towards the end of the third act, I was like, yeah, no, 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 no. For me, it's Terminator 1, 2, and 3, and Terminator is the Sarah Connor Chronicle Season 1, and then 
the franchise <laughs> is done. It is over, kaput. But they just had to keep milking the cash cow for all she's <laughs> worth. And yet we're getting another one that no one wants to talk about. So yeah, Terminator Geniuses, nice knowing you. But yeah, no, there's only Terminator 1, 2, and 3 in Sarah Connor Chronicles Season 1. And then you're done. Anyway, back to you in the studio. The TV okay. show is pretty amazing. That's true. All right. Well, that? I'm going to um, I'm going to step in and say one thing about Terminator Genesis. I don't hate Genesis. In fact, it's my number three or four in that franchise, like ranking. Um, I like it more than Salvation, and on um, it goes back and forth with Rise of the Machines because the way that my dad always explained Terminator to me. My dad, and, and I know before we were talking about my dad, Star Phoenix is perfect. So take this with a grain of salt. Huge <laughs> grain of salt, ladies and gentlemen. Take this with a grain of salt. But it made it, it made it more enjoyable in my mind is when I grew up watching those Terminator movies. My dad always gave me the theory of the explanation that his theory for Terminator is that each movie is in a different timeline where the events of the last movie happened, but that's a different timeline. So the events of Terminator 1 and 2 happen in 3. But uh, nothing happens past that. That's the end of that story. With Terminator 2, the story ends with Terminator 2. But in Terminator 3, it's an alternate timeline where the events happen, and they move on to next chapter. Salvation is another timeline where the next chapter. Genesis is the movie where they all fall, fold in on each other, is the yeah. way that he explained it when I went in and saw it. And that made it more enjoyable to see like all the different potential Terminators' timelines cross into each other. Um, so, yeah. That, but I understand. Genesis is a movie that not a lot of people love. I think it's okay. Where's um, um, Jenny Smith. I am the law. You can't handle the truth. Absolute um, chaos in the studio, folks. Ah, Absolute chaos. Okay. Uh, so now we go over to Andrew for his seventh report. All right. Uh, so this is one that was uh, going to get brought up earlier. Uh, it is the 2015, I believe, uh, Point Break remake. Um. Who was asking for this? Who wanted this movie? Who wanted to replace who wanted to replace surfing and skydiving with skydiving and extreme sports? Um the characters in the first movie are so likable. And the um the reasoning behind the dead presidents, I'm like, I don't agree with your methods, but I get it. It's a really well-woven uh, um, script. Is it perfect? No. Is it a whole lot of fun? Yes. And the remake just sucks all of that out like an emotional vampire. Dude, they, they replaced Patrick Swayze with Edgar Ramirez. And I don't even know the guy who was playing Keanu Reeves. This <laughs> movie was the definition of pointlessness and unnecessarily they just made everything extreme because i guess it's past the year 2000 and everything has to be extreme i i like that the guys robbed the freaking bank just because they wanted to fucking surf that, that, that's enough why do you have to do every other single thing in the world and then they try to explain it like uh, because it was a challenge created by this Ozark guy and he was like like the mystic for all the millennials that want to be extreme all the time and then they explained that Bodie was actually raised by this guy who was killed saving whales and he just wanted people to believe he was so such a mythic character that he lied until he was dying one of his own challenges this movie made me hate the concept of remakes. It's that bad. It's a pointless break. Let's call it that from now on. 
All right. Uh, that is point break then. Um, moving on to your next one then, Andrew. Uh, my next one is a remake of my favorite horror movie of all time. Uh, yes, I'm a classics nerd. Uh, it is the, I believe it is 2007. Yes, 2007 Rob Zombie remake of Halloween. Um, the original Halloween, there is so much tension in that movie. And I love the fact that Michael Myers is this character that, aside from the first scene of the movie, you don't really know that much about. And it's that enigma that makes him even scarier. Um, the kills in the original movie, they're not that clean if you remember them. There is a lot of struggle. And the remake tries to explain so much. It tries to make what's already a dark movie become a dark movie. And it's just pointless, unnecessary, and we didn't need this. All right. Um, I, I think that was on uh, one of yours as a dishonorable mention. Um, but yeah, uh, what's your number five? Uh, my number five, let's have fun with this one. Um, <laughs> it's a movie that is unnecessary because of how the, the first one ended, and that is Blair Witch 2. Book of Shadows. The only hey, you're all my honorable mentions, man. Oh, am I? Fun. Um, the only reason that this isn't any higher is because with a sequel, I guess you can expand the lore a bit, which this movie does a trash job at. Um, it. It is a jumbled mess of <laughs> ideas that are supposed to scare you, but just leave you confused. Um, none of the characters are likable. Uh, and at least with the first one, it, it was such a groundbreaker in its use of found footage. And the sequel doesn't even do found footage! So, it, it, this movie's pointless. Get it out! Flee! Flee! Um... <laughs> And so, uh, my number four movie is uh, unnecessary in the sense that it's, to me, one of the best movies of all time. It's my number three or four on my list, depending on how I'm feeling that day. Um, and that is the Tim Burton remake of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Screw this remake! Willy Wonka... Johnny Depp's Willy Wonka is one of the most unlikable characters I've ever seen in my life. Whereas with Gene Wilder is so charming and warm, but mysterious. Um, the Tim Burton one looks like garbage to me. At least with the original, uh, the, the design, it's so entertaining and it's fantastical and wonderful. Um, yeah, does the Chocolate River look fake? Do the do the lollipop trees look fake? Yes, they do. But it adds a wonderful charm to it. Um, I I just don't I I know that they were trying to go closer to the book apparently, and uh, it just fails on all levels. It frustrates me to no end. I hate this remake. I hate this remake. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. 
Um, I, oh, oh no! Oh, oh no! Rosario <laughs> knows a Finnberg nephologist. Uh, <laughs> um, I will say, um, I love Andrew's riot uh, rage mode. It's my favorite thing so far uh, that we've had tonight. Uh, I know Nazario wants to talk about Charlie and Chocolate Factory a little bit. Uh, defend it. Why do you like it, Nazario? Yeah, stab my heart uh, I'm, more. I'm not going to defend it, per se, but <laughs> I, I am a Tim Burton fan. Uh, most people who have seen me play trivia know this is one of my one of my strengths I usually do. And even though it's not one of his best movies, I do think it has some redeeming qualities. Johnny Depp is not one of them. I think uh, at this point in the relationship, Tim Burton basically asked him and lets him do whatever the hell he wants to do. And he wanted to do Michael Jackson, so he let him be Michael Jackson. Uh, it was the wrong choice. It didn't really uh, didn't really work on any level. I do like the kid actors. I think they're better than the original movie. I like the music that they made by Danny Elfman, and I love Deep Roy as every single one of Doompa Doompas. It's kind of a, a, a an insane visual trick that they pull where he, he just repeats the same actor doing slightly different things all over the place. And I appreciate it for what it is. It's middle-of-the-road Tim Burton for me, but... Yeah, I can see why people hate it. I'm sorry. People get so attached because the, the first one is a classic and you you can never beat the classic. And yes, it is unnecessary because if the movie you're trying to bring back is perfect, then what's the point? Which I'm going to bring. Yeah, that, that's what I want to bring later in, in one of my picks because there's no point of make trying to improve something that cannot be improved. It's, it's perfect already. The best remakes. Uh, are the ones that take uh, flawed properties and kind of like smooth them out. And that most of the time ends up being the better movie. But not don't pick up a, a classic to try to make him again. It's just why. Enough. All right. So that brings us back around to Ryan. Ryan, what is your number three? All right. Number three. Um, <laughs> there's a book out there called Things Disney Should Never Ever Do 101. And Disney, I'm going to give you a free lesson here, okay? So you don't have to pay a dime for it because you already have plenty of money in your in your piggy bank account, or in this case, the mouse bank. Never, ever, ever, except for the one exception that's coming out later this year, but, because we'll see how it goes with that director, but, but, there are three movies, three cardinal sins you should never commit. Never remake Aladdin because Robin Williams is God. Never remake Beauty and the Beast because it's one of the greatest of all time. And never touch The Lion King. But then again, The Lion King may turn out to be really good because of Jon Favreau. If he wasn't attached, he'd probably go to shit. We'll find out more in July. The, the point is, the point is, door number three, number three on my list. I saw this movie in the theaters. I had high hopes for it. It had a great cast, good-looking good, uh, vibes, good-looking visuals behind it. However, however... There were some things about this movie that went way overboard. Something about this film, the look of the film, the look of some of the costumes just didn't sit well with me. It just didn't work. And overall, the film was completely unnecessary with a capital, capital U. And that is, to put it simply, Beauty and the Beast. Why? Because Beauty and the Beast, the animated version, is the first film to ever be nominated for Best Picture at the Academy Awards. An animated film, people. An animated film is nominated for Best picture at the academy awards that year this film has no business whatsoever to be in the lexicon and to be in the history books of disney's movie making magic why 
because it's nothing like the original. It's not even close. It doesn't even hold a candle, not even a candelabra to the original. Jerry Orbach, we love you, man. So this film is just started out okay, but towards the end, it just turned into a hot piece of unnecessary garbage, despite the all-star cast, which did the best they could with what they had. But no, you never, ever, 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 ever touch Beauty and the Beast, and especially you never, ever touch the greatest of all time, known as Aladdin, but you did it anyway, and apparently it's getting so-and-so reviews, and it's making a good chunk of change, but whatever, who cares? Beauty and the Beast, you're number three. Get the heck out of here, because there's only one Beauty and the Beast. That's 1991's masterpiece with the voices of Paige O'Hara and company. Okay, now I get to do what this (laughs) show was created for. Finally, I have a hot take that I get to destroy. Ryan, number three of the most unnecessary remakes, reboots, sequels. You chose not the first movie that starts the chain with Alice in Wonderland. You do not take Jungle Book, which is also super unnecessary, Peach Dragon, Cinderella. You go for like the sixth or seventh remake of the bunch, which happens to be one of the good ones in Beauty and the Beast. They actually bring the animated movie to life with a good cast, good music, great production design, great costume design, both of being nominated for Oscars in both categories because they do it so well. And that's the one you pick. Not the 101 Dalmatians from the 90s. Not (laughs) freaking 102 Dalmatians from 2000. There are so many worse live-action remake reboot sequels that you could pick from the Disney lexicon that are live-action remakes. But you went with the one that so far is in the discussion for the best with The Jungle Book and Cinderella. The Jungle Book is great. Beauty and the Beast, not so much. Nazario, what's number three? (laughs) My number three... Uh, it's a movie that actually got mentioned before. Uh, I forgot who made it. I think it was Ryan. And yeah, I think it was Ryan. It's the remake of the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic Total Recall. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. That is um, the original is a is a classic 90s action film. It's great. It has the cheesy one-liners, it has the great effects, it has Arnold Schwarzenegger being iconically Arnold, and it has this interesting story about a guy who get maybe or maybe not a real spy because you can never tell if the memories that he gets implanted from his vacation, it's, it's an actual vacation or he actually is not discovered that he was a spy. And he goes to Mars and he saves the planet and it's amazing. And then they decide to remake it. And the first thing they do is they take out Mars. Why? Why? That is the most iconic thing from the original film. In international markets like mine, the movie was called, actually, The Avenger for Mars. <laughs> so, can, you can imagine that they had an issue with the title when they tried to say, sell the same sequel, and there's no Mars. They make this ridiculous thing that, because they don't even change it for something smart. They change it so, so people are now having to go to Australia to work and then come back to London every day. So they have this tunnel that goes through the middle of the earth and comes on the other side and they just have to take like a like a train or something which is like why it's not a better idea it's a dumber idea and colin farrell just looks asleep for most of the movie kate beckinsale cannot hold a candle to sharon stone and even even the great walter white cannot cannot keep this movie afloat 
I'm I'm sorry. It's just ah, it frustrates me because the arena is so good and it's a closed movie, which is another thing that I find with this uh, unnecessary movies. The, the original movie it's closed that it doesn't really need or demand that you continue the story or even try to make it again if it was good enough. Then why bother? Because they don't put the effort that they should put in it. I'm not saying it's impossible to remake a good movie, but a little effort. A little bit. <laughs> Not in this one. Uh, Ryan, what are your what are your thoughts there on on uh, Total Recall? Real quickly before we get to Andrew's number. Yeah, three. I'll get I'll give a little bit of credit to this film. Look, the trailer was great. Kate Beckinsale and uh, Jessica Biel are two of the most beautiful women in the history of this great planet of ours. But man, oh man, rewatching the original and comparing it to the re- it's like man, the original was just a billion times better i mean see you at the party richter you think this is the real quiet it is <laughs> you know you would i mean sweetheart you wouldn't hurt divorce. me i mean after all we're married i mean come on <laughs> it's so quotable and fun and awesome and then in 30 <laughs> seconds we'll be dead and he'll blow that place up and be home in time for cornflakes it's awesome so yeah uh, len weissman stick to your underworld 52 movies because i will go out and see those i'm gonna I, i'll be honest guilty pleasures are the underworld series get back and sale what up girl but yeah this this remake as much as i like the two beautiful women it's just it, it couldn't really do it man just couldn't hold a candle to the original because it's so good anyway back to you at the desk um so my number three movie is um a sp- prequel to a movie that hot take i'm not a big fan of the original film uh and the prequel is dumb and dumberer when harry met lloyd um i'm not a big fan of dumb and dumber i don't think it's one of the worst movies i've ever seen but it's also a movie where i'm just not i I don't care for it this movie however takes these two characters that I can understand how likable they are and just, I, I hate prequel movies about, you know these two guys from that first movie you liked? Well, here's the movie about how they became friends and I hate every one of those kind of movies that do that. Um, this movie is also, the, the reason this is so high on the unnecessary list is because of how semi-offensive it really is. It's mean-spirited. It's really mean-spirited in some senses. Um, and the jokes aren't funny. Uh, the Once again, the characters, I don't need to see their backstory about how they became friends. They're so good. They're such good friends in the first movie that I'm not wondering about how they became friends. Um, I don't care for this movie. I don't want to ever see this movie. I don't want to ever see it again. I don't... Just no, leave it alone. Leave me alone. Go away. <laughs> um, I should chastise you for not liking. And uh, however, uh, you are correct in putting this on your list because I I agree. I don't need a movie to see how these two great friends became friends. Uh, because honestly, it's it doesn't sound like an interesting story. And then they turn it into slapstick Three Stooges prequel. Uh, or pre template. Um, all right, bounce back over to Ryan for your number two. 
<clears throat> all right, now that the first rant is over, all right, let's go with the second <laughs> one. All right, so um, number two on my list is uh, this is when the series, for me anyway, maybe some people would disagree and that's fine. This is when the series, to me, jumped the shark, went a little too far. They only made this movie because the last installment made so much money, and I get that. But the series ended with part six fast and furious six ended the entire franchise because they caught the bad guy. They threw him in prison. Hobbs survives pretty much everybody we know survives. And then Giselle gets killed off because it makes room for uh, uh, Tokyo drift, which again is one of my favorite installments of that franchise. But the point is furious seven. The only reason that film was made, the only reason is because they reworked the footage from Tokyo drift to put in it was actually Jason Statham's character, Deckard Shaw, who killed Han in that accident, which it really was a tragic accident during the events of Tokyo Drift of the Fast and the Furious Part 3. So they made Furious 7 just so they can bring in Statham, just so they can add more action stars to the mix, just so they can add more, more fancy schmancy action scenes. They can take a big, you know, a nice looking car jumping from one building to another. And Brian kept saying, Dom, cars don't fly, cars don't fly, cars don't fly. And yet it does because of visual effects magic. No, it would never happen in real life, man. Jeez. Anyway, Furious 7 never really, never really should have happened. Look, the tribute to Paul Walker is nice and everything because we lost him tragically at a very young age. And I'm sorry to hear about his death. Paul Walker, you were a good guy. But man... Furious 7, just such a cash cow, such a cash grab if there ever was one. This franchise should have ended with Fast and Furious 6 and end on a high note, an incredible note, a great note. But it just didn't want to do it. It wanted to milk the cash cow for all she's worth. And they're going to continue to do it with Fast 9. And then Fast 10 goes to space. And then Fast 11 goes to Mars. And then Fast 12 goes back to L.A. So... That's how this series is going to end up. But Furious 7 is my number two. It is so unnecessary in all sense of the word. Despite the tribute to Paul Walker, get it out of here. For me, it's one, two, three, which three is Tokyo Drift. Then five, Fast Five, and then Fast and Furious 6, and then your franchise is done, over, great runs, six films, even though one of them wasn't that good. But then five is great, awesome number. It's a nice handful number, and you get out of here, you make your money, you go home and have a nice day. So Furious 7 is number two on my list. All right, Ryan, I'm going to stop you there. Because, listen, if you thought we were getting realistic car physics in the seventh <laughs> movie, then you're watching the wrong franchise. We abandoned reality when we got to Fast and Furious 5. I mean, 4 is still pretty grounded. I like 4. But 5 is when we threw grounded out the window and mm -hmm. got two really good, fun movies in 5 and 6. Do I think 7 is disappointing? Absolutely. Seven is, it would be absolutely, if this was disappointing sequels, you picked the perfect Fast and Furious movie. But for Unnecessary, Seven is the one that sort of ends the entire franchise by putting saying goodbye to Paul Walker. It wraps up all the storylines that they had previously outstanding in Seven is the, is the wrap-up film. If you had said Fast 8, you have a really strong case for 8 being unnecessary because the story's over and we're forcing another one. However, Seven... Is it still gives us a lot of closure to a lot of storylines. So I think you made the wrong move in making that uh, your number two, number two unnecessary sequel on the basis of physics in a in the seventh movie in Fast and Furious. Uh, Nazario, what is your number two? Uh, before I get to that, Caleb Coho just said, I like Fast and Furious 4. Yes. I did. I okay. like Fast and Furious 4. Okay. My number two film uh, it's kind of in the same spirit of the Total Recall thing. 
But it's a movie that I love even more than the original Total Recall. And it's one of my favorite movies from the 80s. And it's the original Robocop movie. That movie is freaking perfect. I enjoy everything about it. Every single minute I enjoy it. I buy that for a dollar a million fucking times. Then they decide to make a remake. And because it's the 2000s, they make him black. So he's cooler. They try to replace Peter Weller with freaking Joel Kinnaman, the most square of the squares guys. You could even, when, with Peter Weller, you could tell he was a human being inside of a machine. With Joel Kinnaman, you can say he's a robot covered in human skin. It's horrible. The movie, it doesn't have any decent story to tell at all. They go half of the way, half the movie, they go to China just because China has money and they need the China dollars to produce the sci-fi movies now. And you have Jackie Earl Haley again uh, being a, an unfunny version of a way more better character done in the 80s. And even the great Michael Keaton cannot survive this because he's, he's actually okay as, as the head of the evil OCP corporation, uh, but he cannot save the mess that this movie is because it doesn't have any reason to exist. This, the whole Robocop story already was tried tried to be done. They made two sequels of with lesser returns on every time. The third one is really a bad movie. I actually kind of enjoy the second one. But it was done. Robocop was done. It was a creature of its time. It's a very, very political from the 80s vision of the future that doesn't, hold, doesn't really sell in 2000. And you just try to make an, an, a new one because he's a robot and robots are a robot android mix of human and, and, and robot he's that's kind of cool and make him black because that's also cool and then in the in the last shot they try to like make him gray again to show like he now is free and he's like a good guy Ugh. and they also made the decision to like keep the family in the picture it was a really smart move that the wife left him in the original so we, you can be robocop and you can deal with the story without having the repercussions of his family because it's not realistic to expect them to still keep their the machine man that is no longer your husband because he doesn't even have memories. It, it's it broke my heart. This movie, it, it just ah, the epitome of unnecessary. In 2014, I heard that Robocop, Robocop was coming out. My dad said we should go see that movie. I think you'd like it because it's Robocop, and I'm like, sure. Why not? I was like, there's one that came before, right? It's like, yeah, you know what? I'll show you that before we go. If he hadn't shown me the Robocop before, I'm sure I'd have walked out of this movie going, yeah, that was all right, I guess. That, like, okay, fine. But for every reason Nazario just said, this movie is atrocious. Um, the point that they made his armor black because black is cooler than gray is literally on the nose. That's on the money as to why they did it. Um, I like some of the visual effects a little bit, I guess, maybe. But that's like the only saving grace I could probably find. So good pick. Um, all right. We go over to Andrew for his number two. All right. This is a movie that if I, I haven't heard on the other lists, and I'm very surprised if it's not their number one considering that that's all they have left. And this is the 1998 Gus Van Sant yep. remake of Psycho. Perfect. We'll talk about it later then. All right. So we bounce back over to Ryan <laughs> for your number one 
you're about to get ripped apart for this. What's your number one? Wait, oh. <laughs> you're about to get Caleb. what now? I'm sorry. Caleb. We're not we're not doing honorable mentions. Oh, you're right. You are right. Nazario keeping me honest. I just really uh, wanted to get to the roast of Ryan's number one. Uh, we'll go really quickly. Ryan, give me like two or three honorable mentions or dishonorable mentions in this case that didn't make your list. Uh, let's see. Uh, hmm. I I can't I can't think of any off the top of my head because I didn't know we were going to do dishonorable mentions. So if I if I had known, I would have kept the ones that I had to cut from this list on my list. But it's not here, so sorry, I don't have anything off the top of my head. If I think it's later, I'll put it somewhere. Fair enough. I, I, I will use uh, I will use Ryan's spots for mine. Uh, I would mention the Coen Brothers remake of the Lady Killers, the Spike Lee uh, remake of Old Boy, uh, Speed Two Cruise Control, uh, the remake <laughs> of the remake of the Flatliners was a piece of shit. Oh uh, yeah, I, I would Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man Tell No Tales. That's Pirates it. Five, I understand. I understand why they made four, five. Completely <laughs> unnecessary. Can someone check uh, on Caleb? He might be dead. Yeah, he loves all five of them, even though Andrew, five don't exist. Andrew already mentioned movie that exists. Andrew already mentioned Halloween remake and Blair Witch Two, and because of the same reasons of my number one, Ben Hur. Come on, Ben Hur. Why was this? Necessary to even consider remaking with crappier actors and a shorter movie. I'm, I'm going to stop original. you there. You picked the wrong Pirates movie, by the way. Four is worse than five. Um, all right, Andrew, uh, your dishonorable mentions. Okay, here, 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 they, here they come. And there's one in there that I feel like a lot of people are going to be like, really, that one? So mm. I'm going to save that one for last. Uh, so I also have the uh, 2011 version of The Thing in my dishonorable mentions. Uh, I also have The Sting 2. Yes, they made a sequel to The Sting. Oh, really? uh, <laughs> uh, they also have the 2016 Ben-Hur, mm. uh, the 2012 Total Recall, <laughs> uh, the 2014 RoboCop, uh, the 2016 Ghostbusters, uh, the 2015 remake of Poltergeist, Ooh, uh, yeah. mm. Maleficent, yes, the 2014 Jamie Foxx version of Annie. Annie <laughs> sucks to begin with. Annie sucks to begin with. We didn't need a remake, uh, especially one that makes it worse. Um, and finally, uh, Mary Poppins Returns. That's it. That's the one that when you put it on here, I was like, really? Caleb that's loves like, everything Mary movie. Poppins. That's not a bad movie. Like, Mary Poppins 1 and 2 are not bad movies. I just don't love them. So unnecessary, <laughs> maybe. I guess I can see it. But, like, I like the music of Mary Poppins Returns, so I guess. I don't know. But fair enough. Um, shout out to the cool kids in the chat, as Brooklyn would say. Jonathan Peck, Dan Skibalen, Brian Nussbaum. Uh, thanks for hanging out. Jonathan Peck gave us a list. He mentioned Old Boy, uh, 2006 is The Pink Panther, 1998 Psycho, 2004 is Lady Killers, 2017's Ghost in the Shell, 2012's Total Recall, Charlie and Chocolate Factory, Speed 2 Cruise Control. I, I'm going to be hurt by him saying Cars 2 and uh, Boo for the <laughs> 2000s. Um, while Cars 2 is not good, necessary. There is a necessary evil for Cars sequels. Cars 2 is a necessary evil. Because when we get we get Cars 2, without Cars 2, we don't get Cars 3, and Cars 3 is pretty good. So, um, but yeah, so then we'll go back around to number ones. Now I'm ready. Ryan, number one. I don't know why you want to rip into me this one, because there are a number of fans and followers out there who hate this movie almost as much as I do. If not more, I don't know. We'll find out. Anywho, uh, number one on my list, this movie showed so much promise, so much potential in its marketing campaign, and 
despite the lead actor not, I don't think he's really qualified to be in a drama like this, but they put him in anyway because he was hot at the time and apparently he still is. Um, and the daughter of Hollywood royalty is in this movie and that's fine, but man, just the kids were awful. The storyline was pretty bad, especially towards the end. Running away from a T-Rex in high heels never works in real life, much less movie magic. And Chris Pratt can't really act in this film too well to save his life. He's basically playing himself. He's not even playing a character. It's just a, ver it's just a meta version of himself as Owen. And yet they're making more and more and more and more and more sequels to this. I just have no idea why. Maybe it's because it made a little bit of money. I don't know. But anyway, uh, because Lost World, meh. Jurassic Park 3, made up for, made up for the, you know, the disappointment for me anyway of two, but then again, two and three are pretty forgettable when you really think about it, because there's really only one Jurassic Park movie, and that's the one that came out in 93. I'm talking about specifically Jurassic World being my number one. Why? Because the kids are awful, the storyline's bad, one of the people gets killed off for no reason whatsoever other than for shock value. You're running away from a T-Rex in high heels with a torch in your hand that never works, no matter how you want to slice it and dice it. Chris Pratt is playing himself, and my gosh... What a total disrespect to Steven Spielberg's legacy of the first film and a disrespect to Richard Attenborough, who played John Hammond in the first in the first two. Man, oh man, did they ruin this whole potentiality of this franchise moving forward and taking it in new and exciting directions. It's basically just playing off the exact same story, just with updated effects, updated cast, updated... However you want to slice right. it, bring, him, bring him back B.D. Wong and all that jazz. But yes, Jurassic World is number one on I'm, my list. I can write right on this film... All I'm gonna stop you right there. Just for the same so reasons that you put Furious Seven on your list, for the same reasons you put Furious Seven on your list, you put Jurassic World. What were you expecting? You called Jurassic World a drama? Are you expecting a Jurassic Park drama about the human condition? This is a dinosaur movie. I'm this not saying it has to be 100 drama. No, 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 there's no reason for you to go into Jurassic World expecting Titanic, okay? You're going into Jurassic World expecting <laughs> I wasn't State. expecting Titanic You're... necessarily. Oh my god. Ryan, Jurassic World, any movie after the first Jurassic Park, you will never make Jurassic Park again. You will never be able to make that movie again. So what you're doing in each sequel is a disaster movie with dinosaurs. That's what every sequel has been. And if you go in with the prism knowing that this is a disaster movie with dinosaurs, they are super fun and enjoyable. The last world Jurassic Park is pretty fun. Jurassic World is the best sequel they have made so far. There are because no they literally, Because they literally do the dinosaur escape movie again and really fun. And yes, of course, Chris Pratt's playing himself. That's all he does. He just plays himself. And it's really good because we like Chris Pratt. Not everyone. Like it, he's, he's a likable human being. Why, don't, why wouldn't you like Chris Pratt? And then you have don't. new dinosaurs. New dinosaurs. The Mosasaurus is really cool. The Indominus Rex is like a meta commentary, I guess you could say, on the freaking dinosaurs before. Or you could just say it's a cool looking CGI dinosaur. Like what? I don't get it. I don't get how this is the worst one. If you had put Jurassic Park 3, sure, you picked the worst of the franchise there. But Jurassic World is a fun movie. A fun movie and the best sequel. You it's a disappointment and a piece of shit. Out of your, you are completely did, did you out of your mind. I don't know what you were expecting. Nazario, what is your number one? Unless you have some quick barbs to throw at Jurassic World because I know you're a Jurassic Park fan too. Did you say that 3 was worse than Fallen Kingdom? Yes. It is not. Alan. <laughs> Alan. Alan. Someone finally gets it. Alan. Also, 
also, Ryan was doing so well with his first seven picks, and then he just... <laughs> Yeah, my number uh, one pick, uh, like don't. we already mentioned, is Gus Van Sant's shot by shot remake of Psycho in 1988. Mm -hmm. Why? I never Psycho even saw the remake. Your Psycho is the, uh, one of the master faced by the master. Alfred Agreed. There is no reason to do this movie at all. And then, for for whatever reason, he decides to make it in color because I guess it's the '90s. You still can make a black and white movie. Uh, he doesn't only make it in color; he makes it in bright ass colors because he puts everybody in orange dresses and neon clothing, and it's just ridiculous. He changes; he puts a, an additional zero in the amount of money that she steals. I guess it's fine because it's like thirty, almost forty years later. The, he gets a bunch of great actors for the supporting roles, and he gets fucking Vince Vaughn as, as the main. Uh, oh, man. Uh, Norman Bates, I, I, I can, I cannot, I cannot say. And also, he start, he does, he makes a point of saying that it's gonna do a shot by shot remake, but then he adds these little weird things when Norman is killing people, like a shot of a cow in a field. Quick second, you get a cow there. And then in another one, you get like a car driving around the street when he's putting the knife on Anne Hage. By the way, Anne Hage is horrible in this movie. And who, this, who said that she could pass out as the sister of Julianne Moore? They don't even look a little bit alike. They didn't even <laughs> put the, the effort to dye their hair similar. No, they just put them there. Viggo Mortensen, it looks like he's having a very, very bad time during the whole movie. And poor William H. Macy, man, that guy just, just he gives us his all every single time. But this movie is the definition of unnecessary garbage. I, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's insane how they are literally the same film and then millions of miles apart in quality. It's, it's kind of baffling. So, yeah, there's, yeah, there's nothing else to me that could be number one. There's, that is the correct pick for number one. Nazario, congratulations. You win your list sucks this week. Because the literal backstory to Psycho. The little backstory to the remake of that Psycho is that Gus Van Sant was like, you know what, kids these days don't watch black and white movies. I'm going to re make a shot-for-shot -shot remake of this movie in color so that kids will watch Psycho and realize how great of a movie it is. That is the definition of unnecessary, in my opinion. Uh, so congratulations. Uh, I don't know if there is a winner, but you are it for this week. Uh, Andrew, what is your number one? Okay, hold on, because Psycho was my number two. Oh, right, yes. And... Everything Nazario said, completely true. Psycho is one of the greatest movies ever made. Ever made. Ever. Ask anyone who's ever seen the movie. It's brilliant. Um, the acting is fantastic. The way it's shot is beautiful. And why do, first of all, why even do a remake of Psycho? Um, second of all, why does it have to be shot for shot? Like. The only reason it's not number one is for two reasons. One of them I'll explain during my number one. And number two, and this is a complete stretch. I completely understand it's a stretch. But I could see how you can make the argument that it is an artistic exercise to remake something that's already considered perfect. So... That's the reason why it's number two, but it's still number two because it is 
so unnecessary. Um, however, my number one most unnecessary movie ever made is unnecessary for every reason uh, and for every definition of the word unnecessary. And that is Blues Brothers 2000. The story is a mess. It's a jumbled mess that does absolutely nothing. There is no point to this story. The ideas are not fully formed. The acting is not that great. And here's what makes it the most unnecessary movie. What Here's what really makes it number one. John Candy, Cab Calloway, and John Belushi all had died previous to the making of this movie. Three people who are essential to the first movie. And you go, well, we lost these three key components of the first movie. I guess we can make a sequel out of that. John Belushi helped create and mold the characters of the Blues Brothers. Not just his character, but the characters themselves and the story. It is a slap in the face of all three of them, especially John Belushi. And it is unnecessary because of how awful it is that they were like, let's take this creation of this beloved comedian after he's been dead for, I think it had been over near 20 years and let's just milk it for all that money, that milk money that we can get out of it. It's offensive in its creation and it's completely unnecessary in its creation. And Andrew gets second place of the week on your list, Socks. Thank you all for watching. This has been a great show. Uh, uh, no, that is an absolute great pick for number one, obviously. Uh, that is <laughs> nailed on the head. Uh, I put it at second because of the story behind Psycho, but yeah, no, that's also a really great number one pick. You guys are equal in your number one picks. The only person who has a bad number one, Ryan. <laughs> anyway, uh, with that, that's been your list, Socks. I have the combined list. Between your three lists, this is the part of the show where I break your hearts and piss you off. Your number 10 is Dumb and Dumber when Harry met Lloyd. Your number 9 is RoboCop. Your number 8 is Furious 7. Your number 7, your number seven is Jurassic World. Your number 6 is Blues Brothers 2000. Your number 5 is Point Break. Your number 4 Terminator Genesis. Your number three is Total Recall. Your number two is Psycho. And your number one is A Nightmare on Elm Street because that's the only one that all three of you had in common. But that is the top ten. This has been your list sucks. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Were we canceled? I don't know. But I think my rants at Ryan made up for Cody ranting at everyone anyway. So uh, this has been a great show. That's been Ryan. That's been Azaria. That's been Andrew. I've been Caleb. This has been your list sucks. Cody will be back next week. And next week, I believe we're talking about horror remakes and reboots, if I am correct. I just know that I'm going to be back on the show in two weeks for music movies. So, hey, we'll see you guys next week.